Good evening, everyone. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. It is such an honor to be before you again on today. I want to thank God for keeping us on this week. Thank God for the miracles that he's performing. I thank God for all that he's doing in our lives. And I'm so excited about our ministry, about our work that we have before us. Because the word on Sunday was, if you say it, I'll do it. And I have been speaking only well things. I've been speaking that laborers are coming. I've been speaking that there's going to be prosperity in our lives, that we're going to minister to those who need to be ministered to. So I just encourage you guys to keep on following those instructions by speaking it. And God will do it. Um, tonight, I guess you guys already saw the, the topic, moving from petty to plenty. Um, God dropped this word in my heart. Uh, about a month or two ago about we're talking about moving. And so when we move in God, we do it better when we're moving together. We, we accomplish more. We're able to get more done and reach more people when we do it together. But it's hard to move together if there are a lot of petty things, a lot of elephants in the room, a lot of issues that are not resolved, a lot of offenses, and we've all seen them. But what are we going to do about those things? And if we continue to allow them to fester and settle, then it's going to cause more division in our ministry. So God placed that on my heart. The other thing he placed on my heart is time management. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have any time to waste. There is a hastiness going on. There is there is work to be done. And and God's, God needs to get the glory. And the only way he can do that is if we are used by his vessels. And God wants to use us in a mighty way. Even your gifts, your talents, he doesn't want them to be squandered by medial things or things that are not, that, that are not important. But God wants to move in our behalf, move on our behalf, move in our midst. But we first have to move together in unity. So tonight we're talking about pettiness. How do we move from petty to plenty? And in our church, pettiness is a divider. It creates unnecessary walls and rifts within the family of God. Um, many places in scripture instruct believers to set aside your differences in order to work together for the sake of the gospel. Um, some scriptures you can read is 2 Timothy 2 and 23. Uh, Philippians 1.27, there are scriptures that talk about how we need to operate and how we need to forgive our brothers and sisters and how we need to move together. And when we allow pettiness to separate us uh, from other believers, we allow the foothold of with the enemy to have a foothold in our, in our ministry. We allow things to fester. We allow things to get bigger when they don't really have to. Um, Pettiness does more to divert the church from its purpose than anything else. Every ministry, and I'm not just talking about redeemed assembly, but in the body of Christ, we notice that there is a lot of things that are causing people to either not be involved, either people to leave, or it's for people who not even share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Petty things can do that. And what pettiness is, is something that is small or trivial, something that does not have great importance in the grand scheme of things. It's when you turn something small into something big. And when we don't handle small things in our ministry, they become big things. I know everybody has noticed that we don't see everybody that we started with in 2019. We don't see everybody back now for whatever reason that may be. But 
when you think about growing together, when you think about this new move, this new church that's coming, these things have to be resolved so that we can move together. And pettiness only, it not just hinders the ministry, but it hinders your growth in Christ. Um, pettiness may be defined as that which is small, trivial, insignificant, insignificant in quality. It's when something that is very small, it takes a monumental importance to the people or the church body. Hypersensitivity and special pleading are making a travesty of the virtues that used to be known as individual responsibility and common sense. Those things, individual responsibility and common sense has now been replaced with hypersensitivity and special pleading. Um, issues that often occupy our attention at church include, um, she didn't speak to me, they didn't call me, um, she looked right at me and didn't say nothing, or um, she didn't show up to my birthday party. And what happens is that we will allow, we will judge the intentions of people and allow those things to become big. And those are the things that God is trying to tell us that we need to resolve. Because in order to move together, I can't have something against you and I can't have something against you if we're trying to reach. We have one enemy and we're trying to reach one goal. So I have to get those things straight. So the power of petty becomes evident when we become concerned about our desires and not desires of others. Um, for all our talk of love and relationship, pettiness damages the church as it points to the lack of maturity, professionalism, and a practice of faith. It damages that. If the ultimate concern of our daily lives are so trivial that they will not outlive us, then we indeed are manifesting our own pettiness rather than the glory of God. Um, five clear signs that there is pettiness in our lives. We use blame as a weapon of choice. Um, we feel or declare that someone or something is responsible for a fault or wrong. For example, you get upset, your first thought is that someone else made you mad. The issue is that no one is actually has the ability to make you mad or be anything you don't want to be. Someone can attempt to make you upset, but it's our choice and how we look at the situation. So a potential remedy for that is to train yourself to ask yourself hard questions. How did I contribute to this incident, issue, or drama? How can I make peace with this situation? And what is the best way for me to be who I want to be in this situation? Um, a lot of times you have people that have are repeated offenders and you just automatically assume the worst, but we cannot assume the worst of people. And we have to make sure we have clear understanding versus jumping to our own understanding, which we can do a lot, not just in church, but in general. If you notice that empathy is not a part of your vocabulary, then that's something that you might wanna check out, the ability to understand the, and share the feelings of another person. If we don't have empathy or love for our brothers and sisters and we feel like they're always having a bad intention, then it can hurt us individually. And the thing with this is like, if we get offended, what happens is that we will tell five other people other than the person that we should tell it to. And now these five people are looking at this person totally different. And now their opinions are changing and then they share it with another five people. And then the next thing you know, there's a whole lot of people affected because we weren't responsible with the first issue by going directly to that person and seeking understanding. 
This can be in leadership. It can be in the congregation. It could be at work. It could be a home and a family. But we don't seek to, to, let's say, assume the best, but we assume the worst. And before we will understand the issue, what we do is we talk about it to other people. And now other people are now only hearing your version of the story and how you saw it through your eyes without us even going to that person and explaining, hey, this kind of offended me. Let's talk about it. Or what happened? We don't have to say why you ain't come. Sometimes it's just the what happened, but everybody is not out to offend us or to, to hurt us. But we have to be responsible with what we do with the information. Number three is that if you engage in unbridled expression as a means of keeping it real, we say that a lot. I want to keep it real. Saying everything that you think and feel without consideration of others under a guise of honesty is not keeping it real. You can't just be careless with the things that you say. You can't just say the first thing that comes out of your mouth, uh, comes into your head. There's a difference in keeping it real and keeping it nasty. There is a major difference between constructive criticism and mean-spiritedness. Not your place. If you both work for the same company, it is neither your circus or the other monkey circus. I mean, you're absolutely out in order to approach a person. If you want to address an issue, then that's exactly what you should do. But you must do it in love. Don't say that I did go to my brother, but you went to me with a nasty attitude with accusations. That's offensive. And what's going to happen is that person is going to be offended. And, and that's what we, we can't be responsible for. We have to make sure that everything that we communicate in our church is through love. And I know that we've seen it. We can't keep having church without addressing issues that are there. And there's a lot of offenses in, in ministry, not just Redeemed Assembly. There are a lot of offenses in ministry. People have left ministry because of offenses. Something that's small in the grand scheme of God's plan for your life. Like even with even with pastors, I can't make a decision and say, I'm going to leave church because God said that he will give me pastors after his own heart. And if we keep jumping every time things get hard, it's going to be hard for you to move into your plenty because you're moving and operating in petty and petty is where the enemy wants to keep you. If I can cause a division amongst the body of Christ where we ain't making too much noise, but it's enough to keep him from moving, then he's being effective. And if you are a part of that, if you're hearing something, if you know something and you're talking to other people about it, saying that I'm just praying for them. First, let me let me address this. God knows your intentions in your heart. You can't hide it from him. You can maybe make everybody else believe that you're doing this in love or that I need somebody to talk to, too. But God knows your intention. God knows when you really want things to fail. There are people out here that want redeeming assembly to fail. They want the church to fall because they've been hurt. But it's not going to happen because we are under true leadership. A lot of people believe that it has nothing to do with the pastors. It could do with other people. It could be like a small incident. But if we don't handle how we communicate properly, and if we don't handle how we receive properly, then this is going to continue and we're not going to be able to move. We can talk about moving all we want to, but nobody moves individually. We have to move as a church. 
and we have to address these issues. The Bible says, if you have an issue, go see your brother and get it straight. If they still don't want to get it straight, bring somebody else with you to get it straight. If they still don't want to do that, bring it to your pastor and get it straight. If that still doesn't work, let's bring it before the congregation. And if we're walking in obedience and doing exactly that, then the issue will get resolved. Because first of all, you're letting the person know that I love you enough to put my pride aside to fix this issue. I love you enough that I don't want to go to bed tonight being upset or having a misunderstanding of what I thought you meant. And when you have a true desire to do that, then we can start growing in love. Then God can start bringing blessings on in your life. Then your ministry can start moving and the body of Christ can start moving. We can't act like there's not, it's not there. It's there. Also, if you feel that gossip is your safe space, casual and unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details which are not confirmed as true, which are not confirmed as true, details that are not confirmed as true, that's called gossip. If you have not directly spoken to that person to verify anything, and you give an opinion and you're speaking out against that person without facts, then that's gossip. For example, someone you know is going through something, or so you think they are. So you've heard rumors about them, and instead of just hearing them, you've repeated them. You've revealed, and in their despair and their heartache and heartbreak, simple fabrications with, a, uh, with other unenlightened voices. The issue is it is unproductive. It's disrespectful and it's fruitless. It does not serve a purpose, only for personal gain. Whatever you maybe think you're gaining out of that, that's what that is. If you have not confirmed, if you have not talked to that person, there's nothing that should be shared. But this is the crazy thing. We don't want these things done to us, but we have no problem doing it to others. We don't want anyone misunderstanding or misinterpreting or miscommunicating anything that we've said or spreading lies about us because it's hurtful, but we don't have a problem doing it. That's the issue. Self-awareness is not your thing. That's another issue. Conscious knowledge of one's own character and feelings. Um, we have to meditate and get in alignment with your true self. Be open to receiving feedback about how you are perceived and truly processing it as opposed to disrupting it or disputing it. That means people can come to you in love and you can receive it. And if there's something that is untrue, you have an opportunity to speak to it, but at least someone is giving you an opportunity to speak to something that they may have heard, at least they're coming to you about it. And even if you do go to that person about it and get it straight, let's still not Spray gossip. That's it's it's no need for Shanita. There's no need for Shanita and Christine to know about what happened with Robin. How is it fruitful? How is it making the body grow? How are you contributing to the growth of the body? How are you helping the body to move? Um, first, we have to remember that we cannot control someone else's behavior. We can only control our own. Our focus must be on controlling our own actions and reactions. And we can't allow ourselves to get sucked into their madness. When we allow ourselves to get sucked into it, we only end up hurting ourselves and rewarding them, which only encourages them to continue their bad behavior. Next, we have to remember that you cannot fix someone else. 
We got a lot of trash cans in our ministry. If there's anything going on, any gossip, any any unresolved issues, and you find yourself the one that people are always going to, and you always know what's going on, that means that you need to check yourself because that can affect you big time. And next thing you know, you wonder why you feel in certain ways about a person. You wonder why when I come to church, I feel a certain way because you're just constantly taking in garbage, stuff that doesn't benefit you, your family, your life, your income, your money. I'm not losing sleep over something that is, that's so trivial that it's not going to make or affect me in any way possible other than to hurt me because now I'm listening to a bunch of stuff that has not been confirmed. Okay? Trust me, I've done this before. Don't think I'm talking to you guys, and I, I'm, I've been guilty of this before. But when you grow up and start maturing in Christ and you start to understand what really matters to you, it's not the demise of other people. It's not the failure of other people. That has nothing to do with me. What has something to do with me is how I am obedient to the word of God and how I handle conflict. If I handle it the way God has told me to handle it, not only will it will not only will the blessings of God flow in my life, not only will God be able to use me as a vessel, but I am also helping the body of Christ to stop issues like this from happening. Listen, there is no perfect church. There is no perfect church. As long as this is a church, the enemy is going to attack. Love. Bishop says. You have to grow in love and growing in love means that you will be tested. You will be tried just like other people make mistakes to hurt you. You have hurt and made mistakes. You have hurt people and made your own mistakes. We all have battle scars, but something God dropped in my spirit. There are some times where people are bullies with their hurt, meaning that because they've been hurt, they bully other people to do what they want them to do. They excuse themselves from their accountability and their responsibility, and they want to force people to treat them as a victim. That's being a bully. And if you, and if you don't, then now they're mad at you, and now you're the topic of conversation. But you can't do that. You just, you just can't bully people with your hurt. You have to take ownership and accountability for your hurt. You have to deal with it, and you cannot make other people or force other people to treat you like a victim. And sometimes we do that without even knowing. Like, I've done that before. I felt like I was justified in my hurt. And I felt that you should, you, you better not even look like being mean to me. Or you better even look like saying something wrong to me. And we just feel like we are entitled. But you're not. You're not an exception to the rule. There has been hurt in everybody's lives. But we have a responsibility and instructions on how to deal with our pain. When we don't obey the words, the way of the word of God, and we stand in the way of others growing in Christ, you are held accountable. Their blood is on your hands. If somebody is not coming to church because of a whole bunch of mess they heard, secondhand hurt, they weren't even hurt directly. But because other people were hurt and they're not here now, you're responsible for that. That's why it's important because God loves all parties involved. God loves the person you're angry at, and God loves you. He loves the person that you're angry at, and he loves you. And he doesn't love either one of you more than the other. 
which is why they're still God's people. You might not have liked what they're done, but if you do what God asks you to do, which is give it over to him and forgive. The Bible says you have to forgive seven times seven. They, if they hurt you seven times and came and apologized to you seven times, the Bible says to forgive. I'm going to bring up some scriptures too. All right. So everyone has to take responsibility for their own actions. And when we mistakenly think that we have the ability to change another person, we only end up bringing ourselves down in the process rather than lifting the other person up. And often in trying to fix a petty or mean person, we end up facilitating their bad behavior, making excuses for them, which only encourages them to continue that bad behavior. We can't say, you know, I know, but I'm just, I'm working with her. I'm trying to tell her the truth. No, if you see that it's not working, then you got to understand I can't fix you. That's God's job to fix you. I can pray for you, but I can't sit here and be listening to stuff that, once again, it's not any of my business. Also, one of the worst traps that we can fall into is the trap of becoming an enabler to those who are petty or those who are mean. We cannot let our own actions become a facilitator that rewards and encourages bad behavior of another. Doing so will punish them further down the path you're already on. So you might think you're helping them, but you're hurting them in the long run. So we must be willing to take a stand on what is right stand against what is wrong. We must stand true to our values, doing so in the most respectful way possible. Some describe this as tough love. Some describe, yeah, uh, okay, I'm just giving you some tough love, but hey, we every time I talk to you, we still, we talk about the same issue. You still upset about something that happened to you. So every time we talk, I don't care if we start off talking about ice cream, purses, and shoes. But if we keep talking about in every conversation something else that you have not even done anything to resolve or you have not done everything the Bible told you to resolve, then you're just gossiping at that point because it's, uh, it's, it doesn't bring any value to either one of your lives. You already know what to do. So we don't need to talk about what to do. You know what to do. So why would we talk about it? And this is something that I've been, I've been a victim of both ends. I have been the one who's enabled and I have been the one that's been angry. So I'm not telling you guys nothing that I have not done, but I also understood through my trials and tribulations, through my scars, that offenses is not my issue. I have to give these things over to God. God loves everybody just as much as he loves me. I have a responsibility. So either I can be inundated with a whole bunch of hurt of other people with my mind being changed about other people, about our leaders, about the way the church is ran, or either I can be responsible, I can communicate effectively, I can go to the right people with my issues and communicate effectively. And once I know that I've done it, I've done it God's way, then blessings are going to flow in my life. But we cannot enable people to do things that are going to hurt you and that are going to hurt them. So like I said, we must stand in our true values. We should never allow ourselves to shrink from standing for what's right with the excuse of trying to help another person or out or out of a desire not to hurt their feelings. You, you got to be willing to hurt their feelings. Bad behavior is just that. It's bad. We can't allow ourselves to be treated badly or taken advantage of as it doesn't just hurt us. It also hurts the person committing the bad acts. By standing for what is right, we both set an example for the other person as well as teach them that they must behave differently if they are to be a part of your life. 
if you coming over here, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna teach you how to how to conduct yourself with me. So if you want to gossip, you might not want to come talk to me because I'm going to tell you who to go talk to. And then I'm not going to go tell eight other people what you told me. Because I don't want to be the responsible for anybody's demise or downfall. Finally, we have to recognize when the time has come that we must simply walk away. At the point it becomes clear to you that these petty or mean-spirited people are not going to change, or if you are that petty or mean-spirited person and you're not going to change, the best thing to do is to walk away. Just walk away. Association with them going forward could be harmful to you. As hard as that may be, there comes a point where that may be the best option. My suggestion is that this step be taken only after you have taken time to truly contemplate if doing so is the right thing for you to do. You need to feel good about the decision to walk away. Don't ever allow yourself to walk away in anger or bitterness. You need to feel good about the choice that you make. And if you end up determining that ending the association with toxic people in your life is the right step to take, then do it in the most respectful way poss possible. Because in everything we do, we have to do a redemptive. And I know some people say, well, it's not fair because other people are not redemptive. But once again, we're not responsible for everybody. We're responsible for ourselves. And if we want the blessings of God to flow in our life, then we have to do it God's way. We have to agree with God. And pettiness has caused a lot of people to waste time. When people waste time, then they get upset because they're not where they want to be in that ministry. I'm a counselor. I'm a counselor in my sleep. It's a gift that God has given me. It's something that I, even when I don't want to counsel, if God tells me to do it, then he'll speak through me. He'll, I, I, and this is what I hear every day. I don't know why I'm telling you all of this, but not only are people able to talk to me, it's because my heart is not designed to want to hurt you. It's not. My heart, I'm telling you about Tion's heart. Tion's heart wants to see you happy because I know what it is to be lonely, depressed, miserable, um, out of control. And after I have witnessed what God has done for me, my heart is to make people whole again or direct them to wholeness. So people open up to me and God speaks through me, even if I'm not even trying to. If anybody knows me, if anybody knows how I am, I'm the strangest people would tell me their life story and God would give me words to speak into their life. He'll give me wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And he'll, it's like a story appears before me and he'll tell me exactly how to direct them to handle it. So when people say that my ministry is not, is not being used or my gifts are not being utilized in the church, sometimes we want the church to do more with our gift than we're willing to do ourselves. The church can't stop your gift from happening. Your gift makes room for you. If you're a preacher, you go preach wherever you go. You go preach on your job. 
You could preach in the car. You could preach in the mall because that is what you're gifted to do. But if we want to blame everything on other things, then we're going to give ourselves a justification to stay the way we are. But we are responsible for our gifts. We are responsible for our salvation. We are responsible for the way we act. We are responsible for the way we treat God's people. We are responsible with with us being available to God and using and allowing God to use us as vessels. Your gift should be used everywhere you go. And let me ask you, the people who does not feel like their gifts are being used, it's a way that you handle it. It's a way that you can create a, create a space for it to happen. And if that space is not created, allow God to create it. But I truly believe that nobody can stop your gifts from working. Nobody can do that. Nobody can make you, nobody, like a lot of people say that, um, they blame church for different things. Like the church stops me from growing spiritually. Nobody can stop you from growing spiritually. You have a Bible. You have knees and hands and prayers. Nobody can stop you from growing spiritually. Nobody can do that. The church got, I'm burnt out. The church has burned me out. You have to have the power to say no. I can't do that. I can't operate in this capacity anymore because I am just too overwhelmed. It's okay. You can say that you're responsible for communicating how you feel. Oh, the church made me cynical. Now I just believe that everybody has a bad attitude. Nobody can make you feel that way. Nobody can make you feel that way. You have to make a decision to feel that way. The church caused me to have unforgiveness. Now my goodness. My God, if God can forgive you of all the things that you've done, even the stuff that's in the closet that nobody that hasn't been exposed about you, and he forgives you every day, and he get, grants you grace and mercy every day, forgiveness should be something that we just have to do. But everything that you have, every gift that you have, that's all you need. All you need, everything that you have, you already, you, everything that you need, you already have it. All you have to do is perfect your gift by giving it over to God, clearing your life out of all of this offense, hurt, and pain. I wish you could see it the way I'm seeing it. It's causing issues in your life. It's, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that everybody's feelings are petty. But if you dealing with it in a way that is against God's words, that's what's petty. It's how you deal with it. If you have an issue, if you feel a certain way, then you should be able to express that. Like we talked about early in love and with respect. But if you really don't want a resolution for your pain and you just want to keep talking about it and proving yourself right, then that's the part that's petty because you're not helping yourself. You're hindering yourself. You're hindering the blessings of God. You can't even see the miracles of God because you're so full of pain and hurt. But God has instructed us on how to deal with it. Do you think that Joseph was not upset with his brothers, with Potiphar's wife? Do you not think that Jesus is a little bit upset at people that he acted, I have healed the sick, 
raise the dead, cast out demons, you spitting on me and calling me a liar. If you're the son of man, call now. I was, I was beaten, bruised for you. If I would have quit and left, where would we be today? If David would have got mad at Saul and said, you know, I shoot, I'm not going to continue to be humble under this man after all he's trying to do is attack me. If he had that attitude, where would he be? Like, would he ever achieve his goals? Would he ever have made it to his assignment? Everybody under the sound of my voice has an assignment. They have an appointed time to get to that assignment. If you allow the devil to derail you with petty stuff, you will detour. You will turn right when you're supposed to turn left. You will leave a ministry that is actually growing you versus just appeasing you and, and satisfying you. But it also, it actually helps you to grow. You are detouring your appointed time. You are messing up your pathway. And you have to, you have to be able to love. You have to be able to understand that God is on your side. And if you have hurt and if you have pain, then God has instructed us on how to deal with it. Now, if you feel like you're part of a ministry that really is not meeting your needs, if you feel like the leadership is crooked and you have prayed and you have consulted God and God has told you to leave, then by all means, please obey God. But if it's just something that just hasn't been talked about yet, ask God to open the opportunity and not only open the opportunity, but to open the hearts of the people that you're speaking to. I have done that several times. Sometimes there's a time for everything and you have to do it at the right time. But you have to understand that God has a way to deal with it. And when it's the right time, God will give you the opportunity and he will open the doors. Listen, I know there's a lot of people out there that are offended and hurt in the church. I know that the church is kind of losing its, its power because a lot of people are feeling like it's more political. And no church is perfect. But God ordains the church. God wants us to be at church. And let me tell you, I'm going to some scriptures for you guys. Because I was, there have been times where I felt too that I said, I'm just done with it all. I don't want to go back. I'm done with people, but God wouldn't allow me to do it. Key, if your love and respect is met with disrespect, then you have to continue to do what God says to do. Go back until you get it straight. If you have to go back eight times, do it until you get it straight. And then you have to pray that first of all, God will allow the opportunity and the heart of those that you have to talk to, to open it. Not only open that, but to open your understanding. Because the bottom line is that God's not going to just leave it like that. If your heart is in the right place and you really want to get it straight, God will do it. He will open up that door for you to do it. I know he will. I know he will. Second Timothy 2 and 14, Paul instructs to keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruin those who listen. Key words. It only ruins those who listen. So those who are innocently listening can be affected by that. Another scripture is 
Matthew 18, 15 through 7. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two other along with you that every chain, every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17 says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. If you have done all that you can do, all of these things right here that Matthew 18, 15 to 17 says, then you put it in God's hands after that. Romans 14 and 13 says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put stumbling block or hindrances in the way of a brother. You don't want to get in the way of somebody else. I know that we always have to have someone to talk to about our issues. You got to understand the people that you're talking to are strong enough, first of all, to handle it. But really, we need to talk to that person. that have, If you have a trusted person that you feel like they can still be themselves and make a sound decision without being affected by what happened, that's one thing. But really, what we really want to do is go to that person to seek understanding. And if you feel like you can't go to somebody because you feel disrespected, you have to try again. According, I'm only telling you what the Bible says to do. Try again. We can't get in our feelings and say, you know what? I did it. I'm done. No, that's not what God says to do. And at the end of the day, you want to please God. At the end of the day, you want to be in the will of God. So there are ways to handle situations. And the Bible tells us how to do it. Luke 17, 1 through 4 says, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, then that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Your heart, your salvation, your responsibility, your gifts, your attitude, your actions are your responsibility because God has instructed you on what to do. We are not called to walk out our faith alone. Paul gives us another picture of a mutual need for one another. First Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26. Read it when you get a chance. The church is one body with many parts, each part possessing an important role to play. But if we allow hurts and sins to divide the body, it simply won't function as it should. Because of sin, the church will always be slightly dysfunctional family. Because of sin, the church will always be a slightly dysfunctional family. But by the grace of God, we can continually grow in love for one another. This kind of growth is only possible when we set our eyes on the cross of Christ and our resurrected King. Jesus' sacrifice enables us to love the broken church and contribute to her, knowing that one day he will come back for his bride and we will perfectly worship as one. It is not going to be perfect all the time in church. We're going to get offended. We're going to get hurt. We're even going to have people that don't handle it right but we still have a responsibility. 
we have instructions and we can't ignore those instructions. So when we're talking about moving family and I mean, nobody's oblivious to it. We have issues. We're not perfect. We have some people that are hurt, that are offended. God gave me this to say, hey, somebody has to be bold enough to say, let's fix it. And when you try to go fix it the first time and you don't feel like it's the right way or you feel like somebody still had an attitude, you still got a responsibility to communicate that. I just want us to understand that it's not about people and who gets the better of who, but it's about being obedient to the word of God. It's about not being in the way of another person and their growth in Christ. It's about handling issues the right way so that we can see fruitfulness, not only in the body of Christ, because if you have, if you are of no offenses, then you can flow in your ministry. And actually offenses cause you to see your ministry completely different because you hurt. You, you, you're just going to see it differently. But when you truly stop justifying having it, I'm not saying that what happened to you could be wrong. You could be, they could have been there wrong, but we can't justify hold on to it because God told us not to. And because God loves, enough, loves us enough to take care of these offenses, if we are obedient to his word, then God will also clear your heart of those offenses. He will cause you to be able to forgive. But there are instructions on how to handle hurt. If we don't trust God enough to do his word, then you can't expect blessings to flow in your life. God loves us regardless. He has unmerited. He has I mean, we are full of grace and mercy. Thank God for his grace and mercy. But I don't want anyone to allow people to stop your growth, to stop your ministry, to allow offenses to stop your, your ministry. We have to like, thank you, Jazz. You have to obey the word of God. And everywhere you go, there's going to be somebody that's going to rub you the wrong way. Maybe not like how they did at this church, but hey, over here, this is what they did. Or you can go to a bigger church and nobody knows your name. But understand that God is the one who gives you pastors after his own heart. You want to walk in his will. Sometimes you're there for a season. Sometimes you're there to stay. Whatever it is, make sure you're doing what God has asked you to do so that the blessings can flow in your life. Make sure you're praying for your leaders. One of the things that hurts is when you pour out your life and you sacrifice your life and people minimize it down to something petty that could have been resolved. They'll destroy a whole relationship because of a petty issue or an issue that just wasn't resolved or not even giving them the chance to even speak on it. That's hurtful as a man of God. So that's why we have to pray for him daily. Bishop and Lady, they sacrifice every day and they're, they are the ones who got the most wounds because they're putting their life on the line for other people. They're, this is what they do every day. This is what they have to get up every morning and do. They have to be responsible for everybody, even when they are upset themselves and even when they are hurt, they still have to do the will of God. And that's not an easy job to do. And then they can watch others just quit, just quit. Just, I'll just give up and quit. I know there are times they want to give up and quit. I know there are times where they're like, I'm done. 
But we cannot deny that we have the most greatest pastors that I've ever seen on this side of, of, of heaven, of no reputation, fair, honest. Everybody might not like everything that they do, but that's why we have to pray because everybody doesn't like what you do. But we have to decide, guys, to be a family. I'm talking about one of the family. Like, yo, you mess with my sister, you go mess with all of us. You hit one, you hit all of us. I want us to be able to defend our ministry, to love our ministry, to walk in our ministry and not be on the fence where I love my church. There are people that that are there that don't even want to be there. And it's just like we got to get to the place where we are one accord. And I encourage you, if there are those that have offenses, if you can just go back and look at the scriptures that we talked about tonight. And understand that God has God has given you instructions on how to deal with it. If you obey God's word, God is going to do whatever it is you want them to do. Whatever it is that you're trying to get rid of, God will remove it from your life. If there's pain, if there's hurt, if you just obey God's word, it's just like what Minister Randall said. I, let's say if you only have a little bit to give, but because I'm obedient with that little bit, God will continue to pour in your life. He will continue to pour in your life. But we cannot just take it upon ourselves just to just be careless and make decisions without consulting God because we're offended. God has given us instructions. And we have to obey those instructions because this is not the end all be all. You have an assignment. You have appointed people that God has just for you to minister to. And if you squander that by having offenses and being full of hurt and pain, then you're going to miss your assignment. And that's all the enemy wanted to do anyway, was to make you miss your assignment. So I just, I just implore you guys to just really love. If you, if you notice there's pettiness in your life, if there's offenses in your life, I just want you guys to start sharing it and being responsible, praying for opportunity and following God's instructions. Remember, it's God to give you pastors after his own heart. The loneliest place to be in the world is outside of the will of God. And if you are and you have a lot of resentment and pain in your life, that's not the will of God for your life. If you're hurt, if you're angry, that's not God's will for your life. Obey God's word. Give it over to God. Open your heart. Allow him to do what he needs to do. And God will give you the opportunity. He will bless your life. Your ministry will flourish because it's not full of offenses. And you'll notice that now that I'm not focused on these things, these small things, now I'm starting to see things the way God sees it. Because y'all, these small things are toxic. And if we continue to let it build, and if we continue to share it and spread it, God is holding you responsible for that. If you know somebody that's not here because of secondary hurt, pray for them. If you're the cause of that, pray for them. Because we don't want to lose anybody because of our actions. I don't want to be responsible for anybody's fall. 
This is a tough conversation. It is, but it's there. It is what it is. And we got to love one another. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the opportunity. Trust me, I'm. It, it was tough for me to put it together, but I'm. Oh, I'm being obedient because we cannot function the way we used to before. We it's a whole new church out there, and if we don't even have the inside together, we can't minister to people on the outside. But we got to do it together, one accord, with love. It can happen if we make God the center. It can happen. Next week, we're going to talk about time management. It's another word that God gave me. This week, we had to talk about the petty things. But next week, I want to talk about time management and how the enemy wants to steal the time. And we have to make sure that we manage it in the right way. Part of that is dealing with this pettiness or issues or small things. I love you guys. I hope y'all still love me because I love you all. Pray for me. And as long as we continue to open and share and love with respect and be obedient, our church is going to be like amazing, amazing, but it has to be done. And if you guys see, if you notice, if you see things that are causing division, I ask you to be responsible, do the right thing, hold people accountable, don't enable but encourage them to do the right thing. And whatever you do, whatever you hear, don't spread it. Because I would hate for anybody to spread a rumor about you or a lie about you. It doesn't feel good. So don't do it to other people. Okay? I love you guys. I pray that y'all have a great week. Pray for me. I love y'all so much. I'll see y'all Sunday. Have a good night. Bye.